And now the pot of coffee is brewing. My fifth cup is almost finished. So that means it's time for yet another episode of Not Before Coffee. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, film addict, hermit, long-term depression sufferer, and a very honest caffeine fiend. This week, it's a special one. I know that a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that I would be talking about the 2005 film, The Wedding Date. This is it. And I have a special guest, Griff from The Paul and Griff Show. If you haven't heard their show, please go ahead and listen to it. It's really funny. And obviously, a few weeks ago when I mentioned it, I was reading the book asking for trouble that this film is supposedly based on and I say supposedly because if you listened to that episode you'll know exactly what I mean and if you haven't I will post a link to it in the comments below. Anyway let's get on with the show. Hi and this is a lucky take two for recording this particular episode. I'm Ray and I have a guest with me this afternoon, evening, whenever you're watching, and that's Griff from the Paul and Griff show. Hi. How are you doing? It's like deja, like deja vu. How are you know. doing? Deja vu all over again. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the 2005 rom-com The Wedding Date and this was actually Griff's choice. So Griff, do you want to let me know or let everyone know why you picked this film? Yeah, I just, um, it's just a real good, feel good movie. Whenever I'm kind of feeling down, it's my go to movie. Very easy to watch. It has a very great soundtrack, which any kind of go to movie needs to have. Oh, I agree with and that. It's a, and it's a simple, it's a simple movie. I think um, listening to like, Charles Whitmore's episode the other day, it's one of those movies you just have on the background and just kind of relaxing. You feel safe. Because you know what's going on. You pop your head up when you want to. Yeah, it's my go-to movie. I don't want to say it's the best movie <laughs> in the world. Or, or my favourite. But whenever I need cheering up, the wedding date goes on. And um, yeah, that's that's why I chose it, really. So what exactly is it about the film that makes it or gives it that feel-good factor for you? It's either got to be Buble or like... Because <laughs> there is obviously some... There's some magical bangers um, at the end of the film. Three, I think, uh, all by Buble. If it was like an underdog story that isn't a sports film, this is it. She's very much, Deborah Messing's very shattered confidence, doesn't want to go home single because she's got a point to prove. And you just see her growing confidence as the kind of film goes, to the point where she stands up towards her sister and... Um, obviously gets the guy at the end of it, even though she's paid a hell of a lot of money to get to that point. Yeah, six grand, I <laughs> Oh, I know, like, discussed it last time in the Lost Archives, they'll never be found. But, um, like, I just how much does she get paid for her job? Like, it, ridiculous. That is something I was trying to work out. When I was, I re-watched this again this evening before we started recording because there are certain things, as with every film, that you tend to forget and as I was watching it at the beginning, it's like she works in customer services for Virgin Atlantic. They even and tell you what even, her job is. 
and she's not she's even not the even supervisor. No, and she her gets told off for giving. Yeah, yeah, she gets told she off for like giving, giving points away and stuff. And she is in Manhattan or somewhere in upscale New York. She can afford a first class ticket. Okay, so she probably gets discounts, but she can yep. still afford two first class plane tickets from New York to London Heathrow and back again. She has got matching luggage. How much luggage did she need? She was only going for a weekend. She like, I'm just trying to feel like I should have noticed. Has he even got luggage when he leaves? When I think he, when he, they're walking he out has, the airport, has, he has like a, a little... suit bag over his shoulder and another bag. But she's got four suitcases and two massive, great big hand luggage, and she's only only going for a weekend or so. And her apartment's massive for New York. Yeah. It's kind of like that conundrum: where do the characters from friends get the money to afford these huge apartments in new york yeah. and go for coffee every day yeah <laughs> debbie messing plays okay oh, my notes for the cat. for the name she plays she plays cat and you kind of learn that she's got to go home to her sister's wedding half sister stepsister and she hires a, a date because she doesn't want to go back single because she wants to make her ex-boyfriend Jeffrey jealous. Jeffrey. Um, it feels like I think it's a four-day event. I think you've got got the drinks on the first day, then they've got like the rounders, then you've got the hag, the stags and hens. That's on the. Oh, same then you've got the pre-drive. Oh, it's a five. It's a five-day. Oh yeah, that's the evening, and then you've got um rehearsal dinner even though it's a big that's a massive american thing but they seem to do it on this film they do see the wedding. a lot of american customs in this film they do they do am i going into spoilers i guess we're going to spoilers well yeah I, if they haven't seen the film it's 16 years old <laughs> 16 years old <laughs> and obviously she she gets more and more kind of fond fondness with keep wanting to call him a gigolo but he's not but that's extra. He kind if you want of, that, if you want that service, that's extra. Yes, yeah, £1,700 extra. To do it to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, the 400s to do it to him. So it's oh, thirteen. Sorry. It's £1,300 to have sex and then a further 400 to pleasure him. Which and seemed... is, everything in, is everything in cash? They're not heard of bank transfers. I know there was no internet banking back then. No, everything seems to be, Everything seems to be like he's got to have a lot of wads of notes that he's carrying around with him by the end of the film. And isn't there a law on how much money you can actually transport between countries? Isn't there sort of £10,000 or something is the maximum you can do without encouraging investigation by the tax office or something i don't know we don't need to get into the legality of all of that because this is a film so we have got cat played by deborah messing and nick mercer is the pseudo gigolo played by dermot mulroney yeah and then of course we have a very very young squeaky voiced amy adams playing cat's sister amy it's a very good. bratty kind of. Oh, she, oh, she's so spoiled. Oh, that's why she plays it so well. Yeah, she she seems to 
early in her career, she does seem to play this kind of helpless ingenue. Amy Adams is like my Chris Evans, by the way. <laughs> is that why you picked this film? Funny enough, no, because this film, kind of, but uh, Deborah Messing kind of does steal the limelight away. Well, she's supposed her, to. She's the lead. She is the lead. But Amy Adams, um, I think she plays the role very, very well. This is obviously pre, um, what do you call it, where she plays the nurse in Catch Me If You Can. I think it was a breakthrough role. I wouldn't say this was a breakthrough role. I think Catch Me If You Can was kind of breakthrough role. She started getting bigger, bigger parts. And her um, fiance is kind of only really knowing from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, uh, Jack Davenport. Edward Fletcher Wooten. I think he has money. A double barrel name. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I do think that this film in many ways, is an American stereotype view of the English. Yeah, totally, totally. Even though the majority... they play cricket, because they play cricket. Yeah, they play cricket, <laughs> though. They don't play cricket in this. They play rounders. They do play rounders. So I'm guessing maybe they didn't think the American audience would, like, enjoy that as much. But obviously, I think they discussed that he's, he's a cricketer. Yeah, well, because um, she, she says something about she went to a baseball game with Nick and that's one of their dates and Jeffrey says oh I don't you don't like sports no I don't like cricket yeah Jeremy Sheffield plays um Jeremy the um the ex in question which is funny enough um Jake Davenport's best man he plays a good annoying part yeah and he I mean <laughs> the thing is, if you're British you'll know Jeremy Sheffield from, I believe he was in Holby City or Casualty. And then I think later on he came into Hollyoaks. Yeah, I something think like later that. Later on in his career, went to Hollyoaks, yeah. Um, the Mum and Stepdad. Um, oh, by I Holland love. Taylor and Peter Egan. I love both of them. I love Peter Egan anyway, but Holland Taylor is superb as Bunny. Absolutely superb. Parts. She's hardly in it. No, but the bits she's in. Yeah, I'm she has Peter an impact. Egan's I mean, more than yeah, when she has that, when she has that subtle confrontational dig at Jerem at Jeffrey for when he asks to speak to her, when he asks to speak to Cat alone. And the thing is, you yeah. know that he's going to tell her why he broke up with her because that's the thing. It's one of the things we didn't get into. The main reason Kat doesn't want to go to this wedding on her own is because her Jeffrey is her ex-fiance and he suddenly broke things off with her. They'd been together for seven years. They'd started getting wedding gifts and everything else. They'd done a wedding registry. So they must have been really close to the wedding date. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, with no explanation at all, he calls things off. During this film, you find out the reason why he calls things off or why he yeah. called things off. It made me start to question other characters in the film because it had been Name so long. Well, the last TJ? time I... Yes. Which is the cousin. I think, I, think, I think even though you think like she's the best friend, she's, his, she's her cousin. Cousin. But she is, oh my God, she plays the epitome of Bridget Jones' cliche in this film. She seems to always play the chain-smoking, drunk best friend. 
because Didn't she this is, like the holiday for like she five was seconds? exactly the same in the holiday yes yeah, she was iris's friend in the office smoking oh, yeah. drinking very very drunk talking about sex constantly and that was exactly the same role as she played in this but i had to question when i watched this back again today i had to question tj's loyalty to her threat to cat as her friend because she knew what had happened between jeffrey and amy totally and if she's that good a friend wouldn't she have said something that is family it's friendship is family yeah that's the thing i mean so it was that whole I'm not it was it she wasn't going to tell her because she didn't want her hurt. So instead of sure. telling her the truth and having the confrontation early on, she finds out <laughs> the night before her sister's wedding. I suppose you don't I say there's her. Would you rather tell her and keep her at home? Because I can only assume Kat's moved to New York to get over Jeffrey. Yeah, but at the same time, she seemed to dwell on it way too long because she still kept yeah. she kept the engagement ring. Yeah. She still had all of the memorabilia from their relationship in a box in her apartment. And she must have moved there following the breakup because prior to that, she was living in the UK. So she took all that with her. And there was that she had that kind of hope that she was making him jealous and he yeah. well, he i don't think he intentionally gave her the impression that she was making him jealous but she misunderstood his overtures as being more than i need to talk to you about something because when they're yeah, down very, in the wine cellar yeah there's better ways to have told her down the way for like but there was a very clever bit where he's jeffrey's talking to I'm terrible with names. I have to go back to names. He's he's talking to um the Nick outside and he kind of looks back into the room and you assume he's looking back at Kat where he says like, and he has a bit of change of heart. Like, oh, where he says crushed. that, yeah, I'm, I'm in love with someone and she's here with someone else. And you assume he's talking about Kat, but very cleverly, Amy's in the, Amy's in the shot, which obviously... Spoiler alert! Like, you find you find out he's been he was he's been sleeping with Amy. It just makes him a despicable person. <laughs> yeah, but it, the thing is, though, does it make him the despicable one or her? Bearing in mind they were engaged, but Amy's her sister, and she could have said no. They're both as bad as each other. Yeah, so exactly. That was one of the things. Um, I was when I rewatched it. I was looking at. I watched really carefully. You know the scene in. Ed's house the night before the wedding after everything has been discovered and I think they've still kept it from their parents Amy comes in to speak to her and not once does she say sorry no I don't think she's she ever is... said sorry I think she's never said sorry in her life like, no she the, does say the... sorry to Ed on their wedding day when she tells him who she slept with but it's all about her her wedding her day her relationship and when she cries, it's all about what she needs. It's nothing to do with the fact that she's just ripped her sister's heart out. Totally, totally. It just and as Cat plays as the bigger sister, like 
now we're not okay, but tomorrow, like, I'll smile for the photos. It'll be a wedding, but right now, we're not okay. That's the thing. I I don't know if I'd... I mean, I'd do the same thing. I would pretend, but I don't know if I'd ever be able to forgive. Well, it's not the fact... Maybe she is worse, because not only, like... Again, not only is she sleeping with her sister's fiance? it's obviously now I don't know how long it goes on for, you never know like how long they haven't been kind of sleeping together she's obviously now kind of flirting or at least chatting behind his best friend's back like her fiance's best friend yeah so it's there's so many wrongs they're both as bad as each other. They're both rats. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, the oh. one thing that I found, I felt real pity for Ed because when he finds out, he doesn't say anything to her. He chases after Jeffrey. Yeah. And the first person he's concerned about is Kat. He says, "It's my best. He he was your sister's fiance." He's not he's not focusing on his own pain at that point. He actually says, It was your sister's fiance. Does Kat know? Yeah, we told her last night. It's like he's the only person, bearing in mind he's the other person, other party in this entire thing who's been hurt. He's the only one who bothers to say, Well, is your sister okay? Because as far as Amy's concerned, it's me, 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 me. Yeah. And he, and he lets her, he, he allows her it to be all her, 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 her. Yeah, exactly. But then so did her parents. And so did she. So did Kat. I mean, you look at how she indulges her at the, at the drinks when they arrive. Oh, it cringes me when she nicks, um, she's got a drink and she just like puts a straw in her mouth like, no, you, you, you bring me the drink. Yeah, not this only about, you give me the drink, it's me. also you place it underneath my straw so I don't have to move. And then she does say, though, Kat has got her number in some ways because she does say, oh, you must be loving this because this is all about you. Her sisters, obviously she knows that, like, and it, it is the whole, like, not overconfidence. You've got Kat who's very vulnerable, very no, doesn't, no self-confidence. But was she that way before Jeffrey did the dirty on her? Probably not. And now she's in a country or on her own. Like, it's just... Yeah, and there's that whole... Even though I love the film, they do do the whole bit where... How can no one ever, like, just show, like, and pretend like they've just found out? There's always the, like, oh, you knew as well. <laughs> just Yeah. <laughs> so it's your thing, like, why does everyone just look shocked and, like, oh, you knew. Oh, you knew. I'll be like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) That's the thing. I mean, that was the bit that really frustrated me was when she comes out. She's horrified. Jeffrey appears behind her and then TJ comes up and she says, oh, shit, he told you. Why did you say anything? If you'd not said you knew, you could have comforted her, been the person she needed. And then, something on the eve of, of the eve of the wedding. Yeah. And then Amy essentially takes away the one person that could possibly have comforted her through it by saying, why did you have to tell her as Nick is holding her? 
insinuating guessing, that Nick is the one that told her. I'm guessing you just wanted to ruin the wedding. You know what? If I if I tell Kat, she, she'll she'll do the rest, and the wedding won't go ahead. Yeah, but then if why didn't he? If that was the case, why didn't he tell Ed? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he thought it through because at some point in all this, Ed has to find out, which obviously he does. Yeah, and then he blames no one but Jeffrey. Yeah. See, that's the thing that I, I I enjoy this film, but I do find it frustrating that the only person who gets blamed for anything in this is Jeffrey. When ultimately, after he's finished with Kat, he has no obligation to anybody. The person who no. was with somebody and did actually had reason to be far more loyal to the person that was being cheated on was Amy. She was cheating on her boyfriend. She was cheating on her sister. Yeah. And she's the one person who comes out of this smelling like flowers. Because she still gets her big big day. Yeah, it's not right. But I think think what we said last time, I don't think they go on to live happily ever after in the future. I, I just kind of think when, when all the magic's settled down, you still slept with my best mate. And, and if you're going to like, and if you're going to like cheat, like on your sister, like who else would you cheat with? There's got to be massive trust issues that'll go on. The massive, yeah. massive trust issues. I You've wonder if anything is in the me book. All this time. I don't know. Yeah, it's based on a book. Yeah. Called Asking for Trouble by Liz Young. It was only a little white lie. So it sounds different. It sounds like so Sophie, Sophie, Sophie's single and happy about it. She does, however, have an imaginary boyfriend, Dominic, a little white lie designed to keep Sophie's mother off her back, which is fine until his presence is demanded at a family wedding. So does Sophie admit Dominic's a fantasy? Oh no, Sophie hires an escort. Or in the distinctly delicious Josh... Carmichael arrives on her doorstep so if you can tell things are going to be tricky and the wedding is only the beginning so it sounds like a lot different it sounds very different names what's the thing I mean Dominic could be shortened to Nick yep yep Um, I'm guessing Kat is a short I don't know why why I changed Sophie to Kat obviously the imaginary friend imaginary boyfriend I don't know if that means she's got like an imaginary friend or it just means she just pretends to her I'm guessing that she pretends to her mother that she has a boyfriend. There's a plane on the back of the book, so I don't know if that still means it is kind of she moves country. I, I bought it because I thought like I'm going through like films to books or books to films, should I say? But yeah, I'll, um, it'll be interesting to find out how how the book and the film differ. The thing is, they say based on. So it could be so loosely based on the concept around having a a fake boyfriend at a family wedding. And yeah. there may well be none of the ex-fiance and misinterpretation and lies and subterfuge and cheating sister and cheating ex-fiance and everything else. Because there doesn't need to be. Even chose the name like... Doesn't ruin a thing. It's just a prologue. 
Mr. and Mrs. Edward Metcalf request the pleasure of the company of Sophie and Dominic at the wedding of their daughter, Belinda, and to Mr. Paul Fairfax at the inn by the back. So it sounds like they've changed like loads of names. Yeah. Maybe Belinda will, didn't um, read as well as Amy. No. <laughs> it was cheap enough on Amazon. Give it a go. But yeah, placing a book, just nothing. If I didn't see on IMDb, I never would have known because it hasn't got the same title. No. It's really weird. So I suppose if you feel the author, you'd kind of insist on it because then you sell more books. Well, you say that because I, obviously I'm doing, as we're recording this in March, I am in the process of doing a Chris Evans season. And What's Your Number was based on a book, which is not called What's Your Number. The book, in fact, is called, if I can find the it. Yellow pa- the Yellow Pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yellow Pages. It is called, I have got so many different things. My notebook, you can hear me turning the pages here. My notebook is filled with stuff and I cannot find it. That is really bad. But it is based on a book, which is not called What's Your Number? It's just weird, don't it? I suppose the wedding date does sound like exactly what it says in the tin. And it's a bit to the point. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, that's why I got it confused with the book I've just finished reading. Did, <laughs> which is called did, The Wedding Game. But no, it's, I think it's one of those things, it's quite interesting to see how people interpret book from book to screen. Mm. Especially in this, because I, I think looking at the cover and reading the summary, it's a contemporary romance I think so so there will be certain things that are very very different I wonder if they're going to get busy for 1700 pounds in a boat for example the biggest boat going like <laughs> it's tiny tiny from the outside it's a tardis. And the inside it, it is a massive tardis that, that that scene's great and especially the um Maroon 5. Yeah, the soundtrack's Seduct- fantastic. Seductive. And um, yeah, there's a scene where like, oh, you know what? Because obviously in Will and Grace, Deborah Messing always plays like the kind of... Kooky. Just as kooky. That, that's the scene where like, oh, Deborah Messing's actually like not too bad. Um, and then thankfully they cut it and then they decide obviously to sleep in the boat. That's, that's the thing that, I mean the one thing I did love is right at the very beginning when they're on the plane together there's none of this her waking up and looking impeccable no she wakes up she's got drool down her face her mascara is all smudged where she's been rubbing her eyes in her sleep her hair well, he looks impeccable absolute, he looks impeccable but I bet he he didn't sleep yeah, she he probably didn't sleep. really looks like she had gone to town on her sleep because her hair is a state and everything else. And then, of course, we do have the obligatory costume change scene. And you've got a um, bit of news about that one. Yeah, did we also, obviously the magic of having to record this twice, like, you could kind of do some extra digging. And I found, like, and I thought that can't be true. So I read about it. And I thought, no, like the DVD in. And obviously, they only show you, like, outside a pub. Well, they land in England. She has to go get changed. to get in a black taxi. Well, she doesn't have to go and get changed. To be fair, she's getting all funny because Nick's tie is the same colour as her dress. Yeah, true. And her dress was perfectly but, pretty. 
it is, but she's just this is it just builds on the character development, like just her self confidence. She's overthinking everything, and okay. she wants to make the best. She wants to make the best first impression. So stop at a pub, but if you pause it outside the pub, which I don't know, it's because maybe they didn't expect it to be widescreen. Like this is two thousand five, you can see a "Don't Walk" walk sign outside the pub, and before that, you've got like Piccadilly Circus and. You're in London. Yeah, very clearly. Clearly, clearly, that pub's in America, which I thought, they could have just panned the camera a little bit. They could have gone to any any camera on the a, any pub on the day of shooting. Exactly. It's then, not. It's not as though there aren't enough pubs in any location in the UK. I mean, I I grew up in a small village and we had three pubs. <laughs> One of them was very very old country with a thatched roof it did catch fire and burn down in 2005 but we did have a thatched roof pub we didn't even need to see outside the pub they're in the pub for like all of like five minutes one scene yeah one scene where she's changing we don't need to know the name of the pub we don't see them walk in the pub or out the pub they're just in the pub if you're going to do it why have a don't walk walk sign outside which clearly shows You've just filmed in America a pub. We are the country of pubs. You could even you say you didn't even have to show outside a pub. But if you did, I'm sure while you were filming in Surrey, you could have just gone, do you mind if we just film one minute? Not in one minute, I think it's like 10 seconds and it's gone. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do. And you just say like about America and how they're, they're perceiving us. The whole guy in there being like, I'd shake you. I'm like, that just kind of... <laughs> yeah, that, it, that's it, isn't it? There is this weird perception of, of the British in American films. Because look Whatever, at... like librarians, like, as they were Buffy with Giles, names like Giles and, and Wesley. And Wesley um, wasn't even played by a Brit. So is that stereotypical? Because then you also have, obviously, the stereotypical... Hugh Grant in Notting Hill. Yes. A bit yes, stammery, yes. very, very nervous. Uh, Which is uh, similar uh, to his um, Four Weddings and a Funeral, right? Yeah, in a way. Is. In a way, he is similar to Four Weddings and a Funeral. I didn't actually like that film, if I'm being completely honest. I didn't. They made a TV series as well, didn't they? But yeah, they did. Four Weddings and Funerals, overrated. The only thing I can remember about Four Weddings and Funeral is he says the word fuck like eight times at the start. That's and the also, there remember. is. And also there's the scene at the funeral with Simon Callow. But I don't remember masses about the film. And it does seem to me that if they're filming in the UK, a large proportion of their cast is British. They should have made a bit more effort maybe to try and make it more British. Yeah. I felt, I mean, yeah. their Sarah Parrish, Sarah Parrish's character was such a stereotypical Bridget Jones. And even the hen night was like the girls going, doing like the golf, like pub golf. I don't think girls would do, I don't think they'd do that. And also the way that they were fawning over him. They were making him, <laughs> was it a statement about the fact that he is in some way her sex object because she has the option of paying to have sex with him when they were all fawning over him and treating him like a thing 
that they could touch yeah. and stroke. It was yeah, they all over really it. uncomfortable. That's the thing. I is mean, it... the film is the film is enjoyable, but if you start to rip it apart, as we've, I think everybody who does a film podcast will point out at some point or other, you can start looking at the films you love and see fault in every single aspect of them. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you have to, like, talk about it? Obviously, talking about, oh, I like this film. Well, you have to do a podcast. You've got to start picking holes in even the films you love. It's just, as I say, which goes to the cash machine, gets all the money out. And my main issue is, obviously, he's gone to the stag do, and then they have the bigger, no, no, they have the pre-dinner stuff, and they have the argument, and he goes to leave, and then he gives him the keys to his car, like, oh, you've had a lot to drink, like, take the car, go sit in, go sit in the boathouse, like, that's all right. I know you've had a skin full of drink, but, um, yeah, take the car. But did he have a skin full of drink? Because he always seemed to be very much in control of how much he had. I'm sure you would have had more than two glasses of wine. I don't know. I mean, you never really see him drinking more than a couple of sips of champagne and that glass of whiskey. Maybe because he's working. Exactly. So maybe he has to stay compassmentous just in case he has the option to earn money. <laughs> oh, I'm a cynic. To earn, <laughs> to earn, ex, to earn extras. Yes, to earn extras. I mean, he gets six... <laughs> add on, add-ons, add-ons. Six add-ons. pounds for five days' work isn't bad. Yeah. Well, obviously, I've, I think what I definitely mentioned last time... It's all about she's seen him in some article. She's read about him in this article and somehow she knew the editor. She actually got to... So I think the article, he was anonymous. Yeah, who he they was were anonymous. Talking about. Yeah. But I think she knew the editor or something. She knew the writer, track him down. I think. So she tracked him down. Um, this is his first wedding. She doesn't usually do them. He does funerals, though. Yeah, the whole, like, cash machine scene and getting all the money out. Did they not question why she's drawing out a ton of cash? See, I I can't help but wonder if she has, I mean, she said she used her 401k, which I, th- I think is a pension or a pension mm. plan in the US to pay him six grand. So how has she got all this money in her bank account? And I don't I suppose... know about anybody else, but I have a 250 pound limit on what I can withdraw from the bank. I suppose the only thing you're supposed to, I guess, imagine is she just works. She hasn't really got a lot of friends. So the much she lives a simple life and she's In just a nice flat been in really Manhattan. good. She's been really good with saving money. But then why dip just, into her pension fund to pay for him? You just don't know, do you? <laughs> it just. It, he, he seems quite charming and he's good at what he does. And obviously she does, I assume, for, I don't think she ever says loves you, but I assume she falls for him. Yeah, it's not a perfect film. No, that's the thing, <laughs> at the end of the it, imagination. yeah, at the end of it, they are only going on their first official date. Yeah. There is no yeah. sign that there is a future for them or that it works out past their first date. Which, I don't think, apart from Woody, is it Woody? Obviously, yeah. the barman and TJ, they probably have a bit of fun. But yeah, but going back to the mum and dad, I think they only have one scene together. 
like where they're on screen at the same time and that's like the luggage like the luggage one the luggage scene i don't think apart from that i think they're pretty much kept separate the dad's either cleaning the boat or talking to nick in the um kitchen and even there is that scene when they're all at at the lake are they together though? I just no. The, the, the mum and dad should be in more. The mum and dad should be in more. Yeah, and obviously she has this talk about the um Simon Peabody. Simon Peapants. Simon P. It's um. P- was it Peter Peapants or something? Peter Peapants. You get uh, yeah. The mum and dad aren't in it enough. I mean that whole very... that story was really cringeworthy and unnecessary, but I think it was more to prove a point about Amy. Yeah, it's a very short movie, which again also appeals. It's not even ninety minutes. It's just under, which, isn't it? Which is which also appeals. Like if you just want to, it's just a little bit longer than an hour TV show with um, a lot of buble at the end to like hit home. That must have. I don't know. If we talked about the money, but yeah, it was. I did some research on that this time. The budget was 15 14? Million. 15 million. Yeah, the budget was 15 million and at the box office it made 47.2 million. Most of that money had to go on the soundtrack. Like had to and advertising because I remember they heavily advertised over here on the radio. Well, it like, came massively. Out in July, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a summer it was a summer film. I'm trying to think what else came out in 2005. Fantastic Four came out in 2005 because I went and saw that at the cinema. And <laughs> oh my God, my problem with Chris Evans started a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to think what else was in the cinema in 2005. 2005 films. In fact, I key in 2005, and the first thing that comes up on my phone is Fantastic Four. Batman Begins also came out in 2005. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The the Ice T Triple X movie, State of Union. Hard Candy came out. Batman Begins. Rumor Has It. Flight Plan. War of the Worlds. V for Vendetta. Fever Pitch, the remake. Serenity came out. Batman Begins, obviously, out of all them, is the biggest... um... Yeah, it was. So there were quite a few films that came out the same year. So there were a lot of other rom-coms to choose from in that... This wouldn't have appealed that much overseas. I think that all that money... I would imagine it was bigger over here than over... I know, obviously, Deborah Messing's massive Will and Grace, and I think this had finished... Will and Grace had finished a year before this came out? Obviously, has came back for... And she was the biggest name in the film at that point. Oh, massively, massively. But more so over in, the thing is, though, more so in the States than here. Yeah, yeah. But this was, I think this was one of her only starring movie roles. I think because it didn't do, even though it did make a profit, it didn't kind of break the mould. And not only that, she she was 37 when she played this role. So she was, yeah. it sounds awful saying that, and she's 10 years younger than I am now, but she was 37. So in the realm of chick flicks and rom-coms, she was kind of getting up there in age. Yeah. I think Searching's the, the, the biggest thing she's probably been in since. That was quite a good, that was a very good film. 
searching is um if you haven't seen it, it's the whole film's like 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 we're on here, like just video video calls. That's a thriller. When you look at her credits, she hasn't actually done loads of stuff. This is a big shot of being the leading lady. And funny enough, Amy Adams goes on to be a very big leading lady in loads of films. If I'm sure you could name a lot of them. <laughs> I can name a lot of them. Yeah, she, she was the the pulling power. And I guess only fans of Will and Grace would know her. It wasn't as big as Friends. But yeah, there was no like pulling power, really. I wouldn't be surprised if in another few years we see a remake of The Wedding Date. No, we can't remake The Wedding Date. Yeah, but you say that about everything. They can't remake Aladdin. They can't remake Cinderella. They can't remake Beauty and the Beast. They've done them okay. all. Okay, they shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I they say can't. That about, I say they that about shouldn't. pretty much every film that they start talking about remaking. Remake terrible films and make them better. X-Men 3, Wolverine yeah, Origins, the most recent that. reboot of Fantastic Four. That's dull as anything. That is dull. I know. It's there boring. are so many, there are so many films that they could go. The problem is for every single person that says, Oh, I think that film sucked, there is somebody that thinks a film is good. Yeah, yeah. Because there'll be loads of people here that doesn't like this film. It's a very it is a chick flick, let's let's face it. There's nothing wrong with a chick flick. I mean, I think I've most of the films I've reviewed in the last couple of months have been chick flicks. I know, but like a guy going down the pub and chatting with your mates like, did you watch The Wedding Date last night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife made me. Oh, no, I did it because I wanted to. <laughs> I watched it on my own. If they did remake it, who would you cast in the roles? Thinking about actors oh, and actresses of today. That is a very, very tough question. That has put me well on the spot. Now I'm looking around my room for inspiration of actors and actresses. I've seen your DVD collection. You've got plenty there to choose from. I do, but unfortunately, not a big like English cast. Yeah, but remember films. the main castings: Amy and Kat are both American, and so's Nick. This is, this is true. So, I think you'd have to pick uh, as 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 Jeffrey. You'd have to someone really smarmy, really someone's just gonna like make you feel uneasy. I'd probably pick, I'd, I'm terrible with names, so I have to get him up. What was his name? He used to be in Gossip Girl. Chase Crawford. Oh, no, I know the one you mean. Who was also in Chalet Girl. Yes, yes. I know exactly who you mean, and I cannot remember his Ed, name. Ed, 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 Westwick. Ed Westwick. Ed Westwick, I think, would play a good Jeffrey. He's got that kind of arrogance. Have you ever seen him in um, White Gold? Oh, White Gold, yes, I've seen him in White Gold as the double glazing salesman. Yeah, playing that kind of character, that kind of arrogant, real, like, custom girl character. You could flip it on, and I was trying to think who'd play the mum and dad, who'd play the leading actress. I'm trying to think of, because I'm already, really, like, young Remember, in this day and age. the woman who played their mother, Holland Taylor, is American as well, so that gives you three American females to play with. Oh, that sounded wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> three American <laughs> female actresses to cast. Could have Olsen. What's her name? Who's, oh, I'm terrible with names. Scarlett Elizabeth Olsen as Kat. Go for like red You could ironically have Deborah Messing in the role of Bunny, the mother. Could have her as the mum. Probably that age. Probably a lot older. It's probably the bratty kind of sister, Amy. I'm trying to right. think of actresses who are 
who'd be really good at that kind of role. You could go with someone like Chloe Moretz. Yeah. Or Brit. Oh, what's her name? Who was in Tomorrowland? I know you're talking about. George Clooney film, yeah. Brit, Brit Robertson. That's it. Yeah. She could go perfect. with that. Yeah, could go with that kind of actress. So what about Nick? Mr. Leading Man himself. Technically, Nick's an American as well, right? Yeah, he is. And then all I need to do is find um, an Englishman to play Ed. the fiancé. And Ed. also TJ. Who <laughs> <Check it laughs> you play Nick? Leading Man, Nick. Someone really... Oh, everyone, my mind goes to it. I feel too old. Zac Efron? Luke oh. Hemsworth? Oh, he's a straight... You know, Zac Efron's a good shout because he's he's literally like... He does have the looks to pull off and the, and the charisma. Yeah, it's not Zac Efron is... Zac Efron is... Um, mate, if you're Zac Efron in this film, the wedding dates had a massive, like, catapult. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. I think that that's what they were hoping for, but they didn't get the right combination of well-known American to well-known English. Because you think about it, yeah. Sarah Parrish was in... She was mostly TV over here. Mm. And so was Peter Egan, really. And obviously my best friend's wedding in 97, because he played... He was in that, Roney. Dermot Mulroney was, yes. But Jack Davenport wasn't. Dermot Mulroney's career was really good in the 90s. And then in the 2000s, he turned more to, to, turned more to TV. Yeah. Well, that's where the money is nowadays. He was in the Family Stone the year after the wedding date. He had a small role in Friends, a small role in New Girl... Who was he in Friends? He's probably played one of Rachel's like boyfriends. Or Monica's. Or Phoebe. Or Monica's. <laughs> and he's in the Amazon TV show Hannah. Oh, I didn't watch that. So we but, um, cast the fiance and TJ. TJ would have to be someone really loud and annoying. <laughs> I'm thinking I've watched soaps in ages, but it's perfect for like English cast to think yeah. of who it could be. Has to be someone who doesn't mind dressing up like they're 10 years younger than they really are. Yeah. Oh, let's think of an Englishman, a fiance, someone very well spoken. Huh. I'm, I'm stumped. Does it great for our English cast? <laughs> no, it really doesn't, does it? I don't know anyone. The thing is, the English people that make it move to the States. They do. They do. What about a slightly younger Ralph Little? Make him from new money instead of old. Yeah, it would work. And then we've just got TJ. And as I haven't seen a, sto- a, a soap opera in probably 15 years. In EastEnders, who's the one who slept with um, big, massive EastEnders explosion thing? Probably over 10 years with Max Brannan. One of the Slaters. Wasn't it Lace? Uh, good, uh, Lacey. Um, Stacey yeah. Slater. Case, uh, that's who is played by Lacey Turner. Give it to her. Give it to her. <laughs> Casted. Then has to go. audition. Gosh, she's 32. So there we've got it then. Our cast is Zac Efron playing Nick, then Elizabeth Olsen playing Kat, Britt Robertson playing Amy, Jeffrey is being played by, oh, now I've forgotten his name. Ed Ed, Ed Westwick. um, Yeah. Ralph Little is playing the fiance, Ed. The mother is being played by Deborah Messing. We haven't cast the father. Probably someone someone the same age. It'd be cruel not to do old. What's his name? What's Will's name in Will and Grace? Oh. That would attract that would attract some. Attract it would. Some. It would indeed. And of course, then we have TJ being played yeah. by Lacey Turner. And of course, the father, Victor, 
is being played by why can I not remember his name and luckily it came up first thing I was looking for Ed McCormick so there we go we've cast our new version of the wedding date would we have it ending the same and I don't imagine it would still be six thousand dollars I don't think I'd end it so abruptly I don't know if this kind of film needed us to know what they do next. I don't get the Jeffrey like he never learns him like naked doing like pull-ups. I don't kind of get that. And I also don't understand why they say Amy and Ed learned that fighting and then making up is the best thing. Because surely there should have been some consequence. Yeah. Yeah. Or am I just seeing into it because I really didn't like her? No, I, I would I would have had I would have, I would have maybe had it all come out a little bit earlier than the wedding because he I mean he admitted himself he put her on a pedestal I think he just wanted to forgive her because he didn't want to humiliate her whereas mm. if they'd if this discussion had happened before the wedding a long time before the wedding it would have probably gone differently. Yeah, I just don't think it would have been like she, her telling him like there and then because it's a bit far-fetched he would actually go back and still marry her. Yeah. It, it's cause... a big it's, it's a big re- revelation to go on. Unless you add in a different character that isn't the best man but is still kind of part of the groom party. One of the ushers or something. And that's the kind of like, just a bit different dynamic. But if he's your best man and your best mate and you find out your wife's about to, yeah, just... The woman you're about to tie yourself to for the rest of your life has been cheating on you with her sister's fiancé, no less. And he obviously hasn't got that many friends because all of a sudden he makes, what's his name, his best man? Nick. Yeah, I know that was the surprise. It's kind of like, oh, you told me the truth, so I'm going to make you my best man, rather than, where are the rest of their friends? They never don't even get talking roles. No, the only friend that gets a talking role in this is TJ. Yeah. And she was irritating. And I think she's only in it really to be like, oh, you knew as well. Because even, I feel a bit, it's a bit stupid for her to go dancing lessons and there's an odd number. I know that I actually made a note of that. That's one of the things that I was watching it and I said, I sort of feel for TJ. Why go to the class when she knows she's going to be the one there alone? Who did she think she was going to dance with? Yeah, I know that's what I didn't get. It's like she's standing there doing this really stupid solo dance thing. And I'm thinking, you're part of the wedding party, but you're not going to be expected to get on the dance floor with the bride and groom. It's all a bit weird. And as you say, she's just this really uncomfortable kind of dance to herself. The instructor could have danced with her. It's all a little bit weird. You do feel for her. but I've never been married, but I didn't realise that we did that over here. I didn't. (laughs) <laughs> the dance lessons before the wedding. It's it, all of those things, all of those little customs felt very American. The rehearsal dinners, definitely very American. If anything, I actually think the whole like five day plan set out things American. It feels even though it's heavily set in England, I have a funny feeling. Writer, into the screenplay, are you American? I was born in Brighton, New York. I thought I said born in Brighton. I do apologize, but Brighton, New York, USA. So American. Yeah, she wrote Couples Retreat. What happens in Vegas? This was her first. This was her first screenplay. I've never gone, never done a rehearsal dinner. That's very American. Yeah, I mean, we have a wedding breakfast. Yeah, but that tends to be the meal you have after the wedding. Yeah, because it's the first ever meal you've had after being man and wife. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd probably change it to be a bit more English authentic. Or you definitely it, make more. Or you'd make it American and base it somewhere in the Hamptons or something. 
Yeah, yeah. I suppose if you make it now, it would all be bank transfers. But like, oh, by the way, like, I've just stuck a grand into your account. Wink, wink. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't get anything for a grand these days. <laughs> yeah, inflation. <be> like, <laughs> exactly. Massive. Three grand. <laughs> that gets you a hug or a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> a fully clothed spoon. <laughs> what, I'm not going anywhere near that boat with you. Add, add a couple of zeros and we can talk about more. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean... Those were the there were so many elements in this that made you question what they I mean, there was that whole living in a massive New York apartment and being customer services for an airline. That and was, I'm guessing you're supposed to know that because obviously you got the stumbling guy at the airport. So I suppose you're supposed to feel like even though she has no confidence, she's very good at her job. But that doesn't mean you've um, earned the money. No. She's just minted, and as I said, like I know I've touched it, but I know we said before to leave a black cab running outside a pub while you get changed, pay and let them go and flag down another one. Yeah, you're you're basically paying, you're giving them the money you'd be paying for a new dress because that's a lot of dollar. Yeah, that's a lot of dollar. But this is why we had to do it again. So we found this like little bit of magic. It's it's, it's a very easy watch. It's very enjoyable. Obviously, we picked massive holes in it, but that's the beauty of film. Exactly. But the sounds, I think, the soundtrack's a character in itself. Yeah, uh, and I think that's it, though, isn't it? These soundtracks for these films. I think that, as we already said, the budget would have been a lot of it would have been the music because it wouldn't have been the cast. Buble wouldn't have been cheap. Leave Me Breathless by, was it The Cause? The Cause, yeah, but then The Cause had had their day by that point. Maroon 5 was just getting big. Yeah. Air Supply, I don't know about Air Supply, wouldn't have been that expensive. I don't know, royalties would have been... I think there's three songs by Buble. There are. In there, that couldn't have been cheap. There's also James Brown. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of James Brown in there, and Air Supply again, ain't it? And Red Charles. That... That, that's a good. I do like the scene where they they're out, up, they pop their head out of the limousine and just drinking away. And isn't that illegal? Like, <laughs> probably. I I think if I made it again, I'd skip out the stuff and make the stag do and hen night longer and more entertaining because I think they could have been funny. It just feels like every time they went to do something, like obviously you see the stripper turn up, but then they just cut it. You don't really get to see enough of the carnage. I think you can skip the whole like rounders game. Skip skip, skip that whole that whole bit. That rounders game was so pointless. That was just to show that like she said to make make sure you throw the game and he didn't. And he didn't. I thought you were helping because I think I am. But I, I... Yeah, but the thing is though, they were both going in there with this misunderstanding of what Jeffrey's intentions were. Yeah. Because she's there going, oh, why well, I brought him here to make you jealous. And it obviously worked. And you're thinking, no. Because we already know by that point that he's in love with Amy. Yeah. The whole of her pouring water down the top is a bit uncomfortable to watch. Like, I think after you've seen the film once, it makes it even worse because then you feel like you're just making a fool of yourself because he's not interested. You really feel for Kat, but at the same time, she opened herself up to this because yeah. he told her they weren't going to get married and she sort of clung to this 
hope that she was going to go over there and prove that she'd moved on and then he'd come back to her this is a potential there to like make it better that's the thing i mean read the book and tell me what you think i will already get around to it (laughs) (laughs) anyway if you want to hear more of griff talking about the snyderverse or any other films he does a podcast that comes out normally on tuesdays right So, Jonna, tell everybody where they can find you and the Paul and Griff Show. Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Paul and Griff Show, or you can find us on Instagram at Paul and Griff Show. Long story, like Twitter won't let you do too many characters. That's why it's a different name <laughs> altogether. Um, we're on every like major like podcast platform. If you find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, link in our bio. It takes you here, there. And everywhere we just check movies and at the moment you're doing a one degree of separation i believe yeah one degree of separation so we're doing it where we take it in turn so one of us has to pick the next film using something from the film we've just done but once we've done that that character can't be used again so for example use brad pitt take us from seven to snatch Brad Pitt now is off limits. But we are kind of, even though this comes out in April, we're doing a one-off um, coming to America next because obviously it's just come out over here today. Fifth of, yeah. as, as we record this, it is the 5th of March. Yeah. I'm finally working ahead. <laughs> working ahead. But yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a massive fan. Obviously, you know, anyway, massive fan yeah. of your show. So... It's an honour to be here again. I, I get know. To be on here twice. <laughs> you get to be on here twice, talking about the same film both times. And of course, I get at to some have point, the famous lost episode. I get yeah. The famous... <laughs> Which really will remain lost because we did lose the audio. Legitimately lost the audio. I I cried. <laughs> that was my fault. It was a it was a mistake. It can happen to anybody. However. It was great to have you back on here again. And we are going to, at some point, be talking about Leap Year. Another great film. Another Amy Adams <laughs> film. <laughs> That's a trend. You have an obsession with Amy Adams and I have mine with Chris Evans. If they ever be in the same film, we'll have to do something. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they will. That's the thing. I mean, she's DC, isn't she? Because didn't she play Lois Lane? This is Lois Lane, which means I should. I have to watch the Snyder Cut at some point. But yeah, people can cross over. Yeah, because Idris Elba's done that. Mind you, says he's not being Captain America anymore anyway, so they'll have to do something else together. Yeah, that's true. I, I say he's never. I f- he'll probably voice it. Never say never. I wonder if he's going to have done a, an, a guest shot in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Flashbacks. See, I'm watching that one when it airs. Because <laughs> I think six episodes and nearly an hour long is going to be a very, very, very long catch up. Otherwise. Yeah. Anyway, thanks ever so much for agreeing to come back and record this episode again. As we said, this was a lost episode, completely lost into the ether somewhere and gone forever. So this has been us talking about. 2005's The Wedding Date thanks ever so much Griff (laughs) this recording's better I promise 
Yeah. <laughs> it is much, much better. As it is a really special episode, as you've already heard, I won't be talking about my weekly viewing for the upcoming week, though obviously there is yet another episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier for me to look forward to. Fingers crossed that it's as good as last week's. I cannot wait. And obviously we also saw previews for two other MCU projects, namely Loki, which looks like it's going to be incredibly different again. And of course, a new preview for Black Widow. Not quite sure whether I'm going to be downloading that to watch from Disney Plus or if I'm going to be risking going to the cinema. Of course, right now, I don't think anybody knows what they're going to be doing two weeks in advance, let alone a couple of months. I have a lot of stuff to talk about with regards mental health, but I think that given how lighthearted everything has been so far, I'm going to save that particular subject for a week when it's not quite so close to home, or at least it hasn't happened quite so recently because this last weekend, namely Easter weekend, was actually a really tough one. So for anybody who is going through difficult times with their family or just in themselves, please contact someone, even if you're sending a message to someone like me, Honestly, please just talk to somebody. That's exactly what I did when I got home on Saturday evening and again on Sunday. Believe me, it is the only way to get through some things and I ended up spending the entirety of Bank Holiday Monday lying on the sofa watching rubbish on TV because I couldn't focus. So that's it for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed the listen. I release a new episode every single week, so if you've liked what you've listened to, why not share it with your friends or family and post a review on one of the many podcatchers out there like iTunes or Podchaser. You can follow me on Twitter at need underscore three underscore mugs or on Instagram at notbeforecoffeepodcast. Well, I need another cup of coffee as I definitely haven't had enough, so I'm going to head into the kitchen and put the kettle on. Until next time, this is me saying farewell.